With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode 371 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. A very happy new year to you. (laughs) Sorry I'm a day late. But in the grey of Christmas and New year, I actually genuinely got my days mixed up. What a worry. Today's story comes from East London. And this time we visit the world of grime music. This episode is brought to you by AG1, a comprehensive and convenient supplement with over 70 high quality ingredients in one simple scoop that supports physical and mental health. I've been drinking AG1 for a few weeks now as it's so quick and easy to fit into my schedule. It tastes great and by starting my day with AG1 it helps me develop other healthy habits. Let's look at just two of the real benefits I get from AG1. Number one, immune health. AG1 is my daily dose of vitamin C, zinc, functional mushrooms and more to support overall immune health. And two, focus and energy. AG1 contains rhodelia, magnesium and V vitamins to support sustained energy throughout the day without that horrible caffeine crash you get from coffee. I want to know just what I'm putting in my body. And AG1 used the highest quality ingredients and the strictest manufacturing standards. This process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every single serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. And that it's tested for contaminants, heavy metals and over 280 banned substances. And in no time it became a simple part of my routine and it tastes great. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash UK True Crime. That's drinkag1.com slash UK True Crime. Check it out. Okay, so let's swiftly set some context for today's story with our guest the month and year game. The UK number one was hung up from Madonna. In the US, Kenya West was in top spot with Gold Digger. And in Australia, the top album was Robbie Williams with Intensive Care. In the news this month, pubs in England and Wales were allowed to open for 24 hours for the first time. I don't know any that do this, do you? The Safeway name disappeared from Britain after 43 years with the rebranding of the last remaining store by its owner Morrisons. Footballing legend George Best died at just 59. And quadruple killer Mark Hobson lost a high court appeal against the trial judge's recommendation that he should never be released from prison. Fair to say there weren't too many complaints at this decision. So did you guess the month and year? It was November 2005. Maybe next week, huh? Today's story comes from Chingford in East London. The centre of Chingford is just over nine miles northeast of Charing Cross. At the police conference, officers appealed for information about the death of 21-year-old Richard Holmes. 
They told how Richard was shot and killed in Greenham Crescent in the Chingford Hall estate as he defended a 16-year-old boy against some men. He was found dead in the early hours of the morning. His parents, Gary and Lynn Holmes, paid tribute to their son, saying that Richard had a heart of gold and his premature death had left their family empty and numb. Lynn added, Everyone said he was very caring and generous. He had lots of friends and they all respected him. Richard was everyone's friend. He was very loyal, had a wicked sense of humour. It's such a senseless and needless loss of life. His friends are totally gutted. Richard's parents urged anyone with information about the shooting to come forward and contact the police. Richard had been born in nearby Walthamstow but moved to Chingford when he was 11 and was a pupil there at school. His mum said, He was no scholar but he loved PE and the social aspects of school. A couple of his old teachers have phoned with their sympathies and we've had a lot of support from friends and family. His family said that Richard was known to his friends as Richie Rich and spoke of his talent as a footballer. He used to play for Ridgeway Rovers and then he was signed up to Norwich Football Club from the age of 9 to 12 before coming back to the Rovers. He loved football and still played in his spare time. He was a Spurs fan and used to go to the matches. DCI Matthew Horn, who was leading the investigation, concluded the conference by saying, We are appealing to anyone who knew Richard or knew his last movements leading up to his murder to contact us. Our commitment will continue to find Richard's murder or murderers and prevent further violence. We will pursue those responsible relentlessly until we bring the person or people responsible to justice. And the appeals came to fruition as three key witnesses came forward, including one teenage rap fan who named one of the people responsible or who they believed was responsible, who they recognised that they'd seen that person on TV. That person was Carl Dobson, who was better known to his many fans by his stage name, Crazy Titch. Crazy Titch was a successful and well-known grime MC who was seen as absolutely key to this music and he had an amazing future ahead of him. When we joined the story in 2005, he was just 22 and with contemporaries like Dizzy Rascal and Wiley, they were a massive influence of so many young people as their music covered the lived experiences of working class kids in underrepresented communities. It has been said that every deprived housing estate was influenced by this music as it challenged the way things are with authorities and it offered a way out to better things. And yet the police were being told that Carl Dobson, who stood on the verge of greatness potentially, was responsible for the murder of Richard Holmes. It seemed that upcoming garage star, 16-year-old Shabba Shah, known as Shabba Shack, had released a track which insulted Dobson's half-brother, 25-year-old Dwayne Mayhorn, who was also a rapper, known as Dirty Goods. Shah recorded a track over the years which had the following lyrics. Over the years, things change in the hood. I used to have a lot of respect for Dirty Goods, either singer or song, not no more. Apparently, when he heard this song, Mayhorn tracked down Shah in his car and demanded an apology for the lyrics. Richard Holmes, who was also a record producer, was part of a group who supported Shabba Shah. 
he and Charles went to Mayhorn's house to protest at how Mayhorn had treated the younger man, but that didn't go down well at all with Mayhorn. But this didn't go down well with Mayhorn Dobson and another of their associates, 35-year-old Anthony Green. Cell site evidence later showed that after this visit, Mayhorn had phoned both Dobson and Green. Then later that evening, armed, along with another still unidentified man, they went to look for Shah and his associates on the Chingford estate, where Green and Mayhorn both lived. Dobson lived not too far away in Stratford. At 12.45, they found the men they were looking for. And as the other men with Richard Holmes ran off, Richard was surrounded and shot three times in the back, the arm and the leg. The shot to his leg was from a converted Mac-10 submachine gun and the other two shots came from a revolver, including the fatal shot to his back, which passed through his heart. Ballistics evidence later suggested that a third weapon had been used at the scene. Carl Dobson, Dwayne, Mayhorn and Anthony Green were all arrested on suspicion of murder. But detectives had an issue with the three witnesses, as their accounts varied. Here is what witnesses A, B and F said. Witness F identified Dobson at an ID parade and said he saw him with the gun excited and jumping around. Witness B initially failed to identify Dobson at an ID parade, but he did so a later one some months later. Finally, there was witness A who said that Dobson was definitely there, but still failed to pick him out at an ID parade. As for the other two suspects, Witness F said they were both at the scene. Witness A said that Green and Dobson were at the scene of the shooting, but she did not see Mayhorn there. Then Witness B said that Mayhorn was definitely there, but Green was not. The picture wasn't a clear one, but all of the witnesses were consistent in saying that Dobson was armed with the Mac-10. However, detectives did not believe that any of the three men had actually fired the fatal bullet that had killed Richard. They believed that this was from a fourth man. But they did believe they had enough evidence to charge the three men with murder on the basis of joint enterprise. Essentially, that all three were jointly guilty. As part of a gang carrying guns, they knew exactly what was going to happen that evening. So who was the fourth man who shot the revolver whose bullet actually killed Richard Holmes? I don't know the answer. The three men facing trial must have done, but they weren't telling. And we can only speculate on what happened to him and why. Was there a deal on the table with the police? Who knows? Meanwhile, the three men faced trial for the murder of Richard Holmes. At their trial, all denied any involvement in the murder. They were there at the estate, but they weren't involved in the murder. The prosecution argued that the violent backgrounds of two of the defendants, Dobson and Green, should be revealed to the jury as this showed a propensity towards gun crime, and the judge agreed. So the jury were told how Dobson was found guilty of armed robbery in August 1999 by using an air pistol to rob a betting shop with another man. For this, he was sent to a young offenders institution for five years. And Green too had committed acts of violence in Canada. In 1994, he was found with a fully loaded automatic weapon. And in the previous days, he'd held up two petrol stations with a handgun 
and stolen from the employees working there. The defence argued that the only evidence against the three men were anonymous witnesses who had provided very different and shaky accounts of what they saw. One only picked out Dobson six months after failing to identify him, and that was after having seen him as a suspect in the case in the Evening Standard newspaper, back in the days when people used to read it. And of course, neither of the three men facing the jury fired the fatal shot. Dobson and Green were both unanimously found guilty by the jury and were sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 30 years. Mayhorn was unanimously found not guilty of murder and manslaughter and he left the court a free man. He was apparently led from the dock in tears just moments after the verdicts were read out. The Common Sergeant of London, Judge Brian Barker, said This was an operation of staggering ruthlessness and arrogance. This was nothing but a cold-blooded killing. And back to Detective Chief Inspector Matt Horn, who led the investigation. He said, The fact the catalyst for the violence was the lyrics of a song somehow makes Richard's death even more senseless. As you have listened, you may think, as I did, that killing someone for these lyrics is excessive, Although, of course, I don't pretend to understand the culture in which these men lived, operated, or the rules they lived by. An article by Vice magazine in 2006 offers a slightly different take on this, and they make the point much better than I ever could do. So let me quote a short piece of their article here. Now, I don't know about you, but those look like the most inoffensive diss lyrics I've ever seen. In grime terms, they're not even slightly offensive. Grime lyrics and beasts between MCs do not give rise to violence and murder. If this were the case, there would hardly be any grime artists left. A lot of the beef is just for show, in order to gain more hype for an artist. Well-known artists have been known to contact up-and-coming MCs to arrange for diss tracks for each other to be made. Money has even been known to change hands in order for an MC to write a diss for another MC. So why would the half-brother and stepfather of MC Dirty Goods, who the diss was aimed at, go and gun down the producer of the track, someone who had nothing to do with the mildly insulting lyrics? The truth, which the naysayers of Grime have failed to highlight, is that Grime producer Richard Holmes, along with Shaq, and members of his Piff City crew, allegedly showed up at Goods and Titch's mum's home looking for Goods earlier on the day he died. Allegedly, Goods had previously caught and confronted Shaq and asked him to apologise for disrespecting him. Shaq was not happy about this, so he turned up at Goods's house with a number of other guys and allegedly threatened Goods's mother, who called her husband and sons. It was this that led to Crazy Titch and his stepfather Anthony Green to go after Richard Holmes and his friends and not the lyrics of a grime song. Well, I guess we'll never know the answer, but it does kind of make more sense, doesn't it? In 2008, 34-year-old Grant Wilkinson was convicted at Reading Crown Court of seven offences of converting and supplying firearms linked to at least eight murders including the case we've been talking about today. The weapons were converted in two disused outbuildings in rural areas, which Wilkinson took over and rented out to tenants. 
Anthony Green and Carl Dobson used guns converted at Wilkinson's premises to shoot dead Richard Holmes. Wilkinson denied all charges against him in court, claiming in his defence that he was working for a man called Kevin Danaher, who was murdered in May 2006. But the jury didn't believe him, and they found Wilkinson guilty of seven offences, including conspiracy to convert imitation firearms, conspiracy to sell or transfer firearms, conspiracy to sell or transfer ammunition, two counts of possession of firearms with intent to endanger life, and two counts of possession of ammunition with intent to endanger life. But back to the main case we've been talking about today. Dobson and Green both appealed their sentences, but both of these appeals were dismissed. Then in 2019, a petition was started asking for justice for Dobson. This suggested he wasn't given a fair trial for the following reasons. Let me read them to you, see what you think. Number one, character assassination. This was due to the moral panic by the authorities over a genre of urban music. Number two, joint enterprise law, which convicts individuals for crimes they haven't committed. And disproportionately, it convicts young black men. And Dobson was a young black man. Number three, anonymous witness testimonies. This denies individuals the right to know their accusers, it says. Number four, there were police failings in the investigation and the inherent unreliability of eyewitness evidence. Number five, the effects of institutionalism, classism and racism within the court system. Number six, failings in representation. It seems that the previous solicitors firm representing Dobson was shut down by the Law Society whilst preparing for his defence. As far as I can see, the Justice for Crazy Titch campaign is still ongoing, with the aim to take new evidence to the Criminal Case Review Commission and overturn the conviction. Since this petition came out, Dobson has made the news twice. Firstly, for allegedly having an affair with a prison officer at the jail where he's an inmate. We see a lot of that at the moment, don't we? And then in 2020, there was an interview with Dobson that he gave in jail. Let me quote directly from the website dmy.co, which is given full credit in my show notes, as of course are all my sources for every single episode. This is what Dobson had to say 15 years after the murder. Jail is a waster man thing, he's heard to say in the interview. This is a wasteman's life. There's no silver lining. The road stuff's all easy. When you have to come here, it's not easy. He also offered advice to young people who wanted to make music and be involved in criminal activity at the same time, saying, it's a pointless activity. It's like being a millionaire from legal money, then saying you want to sell drugs. You can sell music, stream it, anything. You can make good money. Move your mum out of the hood money. Dobson also answered a question about another man, criticised him for testifying against fellow gang members. You're a snitch, that's you. Don't try and claim anything other than that. And your brethren that are around you know that you went to court, they're worse than you. There's one thing that's worse than a snitch. It's a man that's not a snitch, that rolls with a snitch. Let's nip that in the bud. Finally, he encourages people to sign their petition, Justice for Titch, 
which claims that Dobson did not receive a fair trial. Then finally, in 2020, a lyric video was produced titled Voldemort, which included new audio from Dobson. It was uploaded to YouTube to celebrate his birthday in 2020. Okay, so what should I make it with her today? There is, I think, quite a lot to unpack there. The first thing is the high profile nature of this case, as Dobson, or Crazy Titch, has such a following for his work and he still has that following. His tragedy, of course, is that he was only in his early 20s when he was sent to prison. And assuming he is released at 30 years after his conviction, he'll be in his 50s when he's released. Like so many stories we hear on this podcast, this is a story of wasted youth and all those opportunities that could have been taken. Life in prison, as we know, despite what some may think, it's no holiday and it doesn't come close to living on the outside. I don't think I have any issue at all with the joint enterprise charge, do you? But looking at the evidence, I think it's clear to see why the men appealed and Dobson supporters are still pushing for his conviction to be overturned. Of course, we weren't in court hearing the evidence, but the eyewitness accounts do seem decidedly sketchy, don't you think? But then again, the jury found the two men guilty and one man innocent unanimously. Then there is the fourth man who didn't appear to face trial. Who was he? Why did he not face trial with the others? If you have any further information about this, do please contact me in the strictest of confidence. Now look, I don't wish to be patronising, but I do at least like the tone and messaging in Dobson's 2020 interview, saying that going to jail is a total waste of time. We all read and hear almost daily about young people being killed in minor or petty disputes, and how young people in gangs can fall into crime and extreme violence. If someone with Dobson's influence can stop even one life being lost, then that's got to be a positive, hasn't it? But finally, most importantly, 21-year-old Richard Holmes lost his life on that cold November night, hunted down, that's the reality, by an armed gang for what seems to be a petty grievance. He suffered the terror of being surrounded and being shot three times and losing his life on the street. Imagine the reality. Whatever his role in the dispute, he didn't deserve this. And his friends and family have been deprived of his presence since that day and not been given the opportunity to enjoy all the times of him that they should have done. Richard's life taken, two men wasting their way in prison and all their families impacted so much. And in reality, for what? Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story and any other aspects of UK true crime, please head to Facebook and join 92,000 of us who talk UK true crime 24-7. If you'd like to support the show, and why wouldn't you, please do head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime for bonus episodes and loads of other exclusive content. A huge thank you to the latest members of this community. That is Margaret Lloyd, Heather Ketton, Gary Tanton, Robert Grills and Janet Sprawl. Thank you all so much for your support, which is much appreciated. So if you're not supporting me at Patreon yet for the price of a cup of coffee, cancel any time, just go to patreon.com slash UK True Crime 
and help me to continue to release free weekly content. Okay, so that's all for me for another week. So if you can, please do support my sponsor, AG1. Look, it's a great product. And by taking a trial, it keeps advertisers spending some money with independent podcasters like me. And finally, once again, I wish you a very happy and peaceful new year to you and to your family. So until we speak again next week, please do take it easy. And remember, despite all the others, stay classy. Cheerio for now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>